Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. Barry Peterson. You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. Right. You're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized records. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this rotten stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. I'm here today with the Mendocino County Cannabis Program Manager, Kristen Nevidal, and we will be discussing what her role is like in our cannabis program, as well as focusing on the Cannabis Equity Program that's currently going on through the state and the county of Mendocino. Kristen, are you here with us on the air? I am. Hello, this is Kristen Nevidal. Thanks for inviting me to join your program this morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you so much for making the time. I'm sure you are very, very busy these days. So before we get started, I just wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, thank you for that. So um, as Jen mentioned, I am the Cannabis Program Manager for the County of Mendocino, um, and I have um, a fairly robust background in cannabis public policy. Um, So I've been working um, largely on advocacy around um, sustainable cultivation of cannabis and treating cannabis cultivation as an agricultural crop produced for human consumption for the past 11 years. and um, really have um, enjoyed bringing that experience to um, the Mendocino Cannabis Program. Um, I have a pretty um, good understanding of the state regulations. I also serve um, as an advisor to the Cannabis um, Advisory Committee um, for the state. So I'm an appointee under Governor Brown to that um, advisory committee um, as a cannabis industry representative. that committee actually um, serves to advise the licensing authorities on um, the basics around or um, kind of all things around um, regulatory development, implementation, and changes that might be coming forth. So, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'll I'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, Thank you, Kristen. I also wanted to ask you something I try to ask all my guests, which is what is your personal relationship to cannabis and sort of what are your ties to the cannabis community outside of your professional experience? Yeah, thanks for that. So um, I am a resident here in Garberville. I've been um, here for about, about 27 years now. Um, my background and first career was in um, Chinese medicine and herbology. I um, had a practice and taught at the Hartwood Institute for a number of years. Um, but I also um, owned a homestead and farmed for a number of years. So um, I've been both a patient utilizing cannabis. Cannabis has been a uh, herb that's been in my toolkit um, with my clients that I've worked with in my herbal practices and my bodywork practices over the years. 
Um, and I also been a sun grown farmer. Um, and so I have um, about 20 years experience cultivating outdoors, um, a lot of no-till experience. That's really kind of my favorite gardening method. Um, and I was a provider um, for a number of dispensaries um, prior to regulations coming forth in California. Um, and then I also helped develop um, product safety guidelines with the American Herbal Products Association back in 2009 through about 2014. Um, those guidelines, um, I really focused on or I chaired the cultivation and processing um, committee for that organization around 2012. Um, and then they were adopted by a number of states and later became um, the standards for the Americans for Safe Accesses um, Patient Focused Certification Program, which I directed for um, a few years and helped stand that certification program up, which is now an um, ISO um, certified um, certification program for the cannabis industry. So, um, you know, I'm, I've got kind of a, a robust relationship with the plant. Um, so yeah, um, thanks for asking the question. It's a little bit of my background with plant. Thank you for sharing that. I am a sun-grown no-till farmer myself, so we <laughs> definitely have that in common. And <laughs> it's cool to hear about some of those other experiences that you've had working with cannabis in that way. So you are the Mendocino County Cannabis Program Manager, and following in the footsteps of many, I'm curious <laughs> what got you interested <laughs> in, in taking over that position. Yeah, I, um, it's a really great question. Um, you know, I've been um, a volunteer for a long time, um, for about 11 years in the advocacy realm. Um, coming into legalization, um, I ended up, I sold my farm to my sister and her husband in about 2015, um, late 2015. And largely because um, my husband and I were pretty overwhelmed with preparing for legalization. So um, we simplified our life, right, to um, just have one property to focus on. Um, and I, you know, being a volunteer, I, I love this work, to be honest with you. I've, I've served as a consultant or worked as a consultant, helped folks um, stand up their permits and their licenses as we've seen regulations come on board. Um, and I've been kind of eyeing um, a regulatory position for a few years, um, largely because it's it allows me the opportunity to not only serve the community, but to still advocate, um, especially in this position on behalf of farmers. Um, and so um, when the position became available, um, you know, I just, I, I went for it. It's, it's fairly close to home for me, um, so to speak. And, um, you know, after being a volunteer for a long time, um, it is nice to have a paying job. <laughs> um, and so I appreciate that aspect of it as well, to be honest with you. And um, my husband also um, has graciously helped um, support our family um, while I've been um, largely a volunteer um, advocate for a number of years. And it really was um, and is my time to give back to my family um, and help support them. I have three kids in college too. And, um, 
So it just, everything lined up and I was ready for it. And I'm, I'm really, so it's um, kind of how it all transpired, so to speak. Thank you for sharing that. That's great to know that you were a volunteer advocate as well in your past. So before we move into the meat of our program, which is discussing the equity program, I had one more question for you about your position, which is sort of just what does your job consist day to day and overall? (laughs) Um, My job is a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. Um, Frankly, it's um, day to day. It's generally packed with meetings um, and often those meetings are with staff internally. Um, we've been spending a lot of time very focused on moving applications forward under 10A17, but also setting up protocols and preparing for what's to come under 2218. So, um, and so in our program right now, we pretty exclusively manage 10A17 cultivators, and that's really the scope of the program. Um, We've been um, really trying to get this portal up and running, which we're hoping to launch um, on July 14th. So stay tuned for notifications on that. We will provide a couple weeks notice. Um, But additionally, um, we've just been, um, we're still a division of the planning and building services, um, but we're going through a lot of transition and um, it looks like we're heading into a department Um, a small department within the county. So we've been um, working on budget pretty significantly um, recently um, and looking at a revised budget that reflects the needs of the department. Um, Also working a lot on a staffing plan. We've got um, some new enforcement activities coming up where we will be um, kind of beefing up our compliance, our internal compliance arm. Um, just to make sure that we have inspectors in-house to review, but also, I mean, planners in-house to review, but also um, enough staff to be able to get out on the farms and do inspections so we can issue permits and renewals and um, just try to make the process flow um, more efficient for everyone, not just internally, but for the farmers out there. So we've been pretty inundated with all of that. Um, We're also running the Cannabis Equity Program and that grant um, that runs through our department as well, or the cannabis program currently. Um, and then we're also looking at, um, forward to the newest grant, um, the local jurisdiction assistance program that was passed in the governor's budget recently. Um, we're prepping um, for that program, knowing that we'll be applying for the $18 million plus dollars that Mendocino is eligible for. Um And so we have a lot on our plate and a very small, dedicated staff. I have myself, four planners, and two admins right now. So it's um, everyone is incredibly busy. And um, yeah, we're um, the daily. It's hard to get work done some weeks, right? Where I just need hours to kind of like sit down and write and try to get protocols in place. Um, The move has forced us to do a lot of admin work, like um, updating all of our forms, which seems somewhat trivial, but it takes time and it takes time away from um, reviews and doing kind of the hands-on work that we'd like to do. Um, so it's it's busy, lots of moving parts, um, but I'm hoping when we move into July and August after budget and fee hearings, 
um, we'll be ready to staff up. And um, so we're looking forward to that. I think it will make a big difference for everyone. Yes, it certainly sounds like you could use the help. You all sound very, very busy over there. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I wanted to move on to talking about the Mendocino County Cannabis Local Equity Grant Program. And I also just want to remind our listeners that as usual, I will be taking calls starting around 9.30 or 9.40. So um, listen up to what we have to say. And if you have a question or a comment regarding the equity grant program or anything else that might be relevant to what we speak about, don't hesitate to give us a call towards the end of the show. And we'll do our best to get you on here and get your question answered. So in 2020, Mendocino County was awarded $2.2 million from the Cannabis Equity Grants Program for local jurisdictions, which is being administered by the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development. The um, hyphenated version of that is GoBiz. And in addition, the Board of Supervisors allocated $100,000 of matching grant money to support our local cannabis equity program which aims to provide funding and services for those hardest hit by the war on drugs by lowering barriers to cannabis permitting and licensing. So Kristen, do you want to take it away and just talk a little bit about generally what the cannabis equity program is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so a couple of things that folks should be aware of. Um, we do have our eligibility application is still open. I know that folks um, really thought that we would be closing that much earlier, um, but because of or due to um, COVID and all of the delays that have been caused by having um, businesses and government offices closed, um, the um, administration um, via GoBiz has um, allowed for an extension on the allocations of funds. So we did receive an extension recently that allows us to um, allocate funds to the community through the grant program um, um, through um, February of 2022. So that's allowing us to keep the eligibility application open much longer and make for um, a more meaningful opportunity for folks to come into the program. So um, if you haven't applied for the equity grant program, um, you still have time. And I just want to make sure that everyone's well aware of that. Um, we have to date um, only had um, 27 people apply. And so um, that's a little bit disappointing. We'd love to see higher numbers of interest and folks join um, the applicants in this process. Um, out of those 27 folks, we've had um, 11 folks deemed eligible. We have 13 folks who were still under review. And then three folks that um, we've asked to reapply. Um, and, and I wanna just be clear that um, the eligibility components or the criteria um, might be intimidating for some. And, and I really hope that folks will apply anyways, to be honest with you. Um, so the first thing that needs to happen if you're applying is um, you really need to check and see if you meet the eligibility criteria. And you can visit the website. The website will give you um, all of the information you need. So um, there's two components to becoming eligible. Um, 
First is making sure that you meet the um, the income levels. So currently, the Board of Supervisors has defined the income thresholds as um, very low or extremely low income. And I think this is where some folks are getting hung up on the application process, is that those are, are pretty low levels. Um, those income levels are stated on the website. So um, you can find that information by, um, um, even if you just Google um, Mendocino County Equity, it will give you the website um, to come look at those criteria. Um, once you determine that you are eligible um, uh, via the income thresholds, um, you must meet one of the following equity conditions. So um, you have to have lived within a five mile radius of the location of a campaign against marijuana planting raid. Um, you could qualify by um, showing that you have a parent, a sibling, or a child who was arrested or convicted of the sale, possession, use, manufacture, or cultivation of cannabis, um, or um, individuals who have obtained or applied for a cannabis permit in Mendocino County, or um, who have worked or currently work in um, the cannabis industry and has been arrested or was convicted of a nonviolent cannabis related effect or offense, my apologies, um, or was subject to asset forfeiture arising from a cannabis related event would qualify, um, as would a person who experienced um, sexual assault, exploitation, domestic violence, and or human trafficking while participating in the cannabis industry. Um, and then additionally, if you qualify for the income threshold, you could secondarily qualify for having been impacted by um, showing that you became homeless or suffered a loss of housing as a result of cannabis enforcement. So there's those two kind of primary criteria, eligibility, and then the list of items that um, the board has created or established um, that determine um, how the individual may have been impacted by the war on drugs. So in meeting both of those criteria, um, folks can become eligible. And once you have become eligible through the eligibility application process, um, you would be issued a, a certification number, which allows you to then go back and apply for the grants themselves. Um, there are three different types of grants that are um, available. There's a technical assistance grant, um, a direct assistance grant, and then I um, um, actually drawing a blank on the third one, so I'll come back to that. Um, you can apply for all three. Um, and so um, those um, application opportunities are available currently and will remain available for some months to come. So um, again, I would, I would really encourage folks, if you haven't come in to, or you haven't applied online for eligibility, um, I would really encourage you to do so um, as soon as possible. Thank you for that information there. Um, yeah, I had some questions specifically about the income threshold. I know that that has, like you said, been a hang up for many cultivators I've spoken to and I myself even contemplated applying for um, the equity program, but that was sort of a barrier for me. And I had 
clicked around on the website here while you were speaking and I was able to find that, that low, what's defined as low income in Mendocino County for 2020 for a household of one person would be $24,500. And for two people, it would be $28,000. So that is pretty low income level. And a question I was wondering is, um, will the county be asking the governor's office to adjust the income threshold or will the board be considering adjusting the income threshold um, given the tax situation for cannabis operators and, you know, the fact that cannabis, I have a hard time imagining any cannabis operators could be like still in business if that's the amount that they were netting based on taxes and everything like that. Um, Are there any plans to adjust that moving forward or is that sort of going to be like a static situation? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, right, but it's really up to the board and it would have to go in front of the board. It's not um, the governor's office or GOBIS um, would allow the board to adjust that. Um, some jurisdictions um, don't have an income threshold. Um, we've been talking about proposing an 80% of median income threshold. Um, and so I think, you know, for for the cannabis program, we, you know, we would have to bring that forward and we intend to bring that forward. Um, but again, um, landing in Mendocino in this position, having a very small staff and then having um, the ordinance development, um, we have been a little busy. So um, I'm hoping to bring this forward um, once we get through budget and fee hearings. So um, I would imagine the earliest would be around August at this time. Um, and I know that that's challenging for folks. Um, it's really um, an unfortunate bandwidth issue for us internally to try to bring it forward any earlier than that at this point. Um, but it is our intention to bring it forward. Um, once folks apply, um, if you get put into the reapply category because of income threshold, Um, you really can just update that portion of your application if the board does change the income threshold. So um, if you have a a robust application, you can meet all of the other criteria. Um, I think it does behoove folks to go ahead and apply, um, looking forward to the likelihood of the income threshold potentially changing um, because we aren't we aren't eliminating those applications. So I talk about the three folks that we have asked to reapply. Um, we hold on to those applications and we don't make them start from the beginning. Um, and in the case of the folks that have been asked to reapply, um, it's my understanding that um, it really is um, largely because of the income threshold. So. Um, if there was a change to that, we would notify them and reevaluate what we have on file to see if they fall into the qualified criteria. Um, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that information. So I'm a question that came to mind when you were speaking about that uh, was if there is an if the county doesn't receive enough qualifying applications to award all the grant money um, Mm -hmm. that it has been given by the state, what happens with that grant money at the end of the deadline for the grant application period? Yeah, we have to remit it back to the state. So we can only utilize the money um, within the scope of the program. And it doesn't allow us um, 
even um, the ability to use a, a very um, substantial portion of the funds for, um, say, administrative fees. So pretty much 90% um, of it or so goes directly to um, the, the grant awardees. So um, we have to um, move it through to the equity applicants um, via the direct grant programs, the permit and fee waiver grant programs, or the technical assistant grant programs that the board has established. And as I mentioned, if we don't um, have enough applicants um, to award um, the money that we've received, we will be um, sending a check back to GoBiz, essentially. Um, but we have a couple options as well. So um, first of all, we are I'm hoping to increase the income levels. I think that would be hugely helpful. Um, but we also have the options of increasing the award amounts for each of these categories. So um, we're looking into that as well. Um, so um, a couple things that, those are just a couple things we've been working on to try to make this um, a more meaningful program for the community and get more folks engaged. Great, well, that's great to hear, thank you. Um, I have a couple more questions for you there, but before I ask them, I just want to remind our listeners that if you're just tuning in, you are listening to KZYX, and this is the Cannabis Hour, a bi-weekly radio program where we focus on all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Procacci, and I am joined here today by um, Mendocino County Cannabis Program Manager, Kristen Nevidal. And we are discussing her role as the Cannabis Program Manager, as well as the Mendocino County Equity Grant Program um, for Cannabis Operators. So thank you for listening. In just a couple minutes here, I'm going to open up the phone lines and take your questions and comments while Kristen and I continue to chat. So I'm wondering, is Kristen, is there a limit to how much money one person can apply for or one cannabis cultivation site? however it's determined? Well, it depends on what grant you're applying for. So currently the direct grant itself, right, which you could use in a number of ways. So there's some suggested activities, but you aren't limited to these activities. Um, the direct grant was really developed for um, helping assure compliance with regulatory requirements, both local and state, um, that mitigate adverse environmental effects. Um, so you could um, be eligible or receive up to $10,000 in direct grants and then use those monies and just some suggested uses for those monies would include water storage for irrigation during forbearance periods, um, remediation and relocation of cannabis facilities if they're located within streamside management areas or you need to adjust your setbacks for other compliance reasons. Um, installation of solar systems if you're off the grid to um, replace diesel, gasoline, or propane generators. So just trying to reduce fossil fuel usage, um, road remediation, um, watershed mitigation, culverts, or other types of infrastructure that might be needed to meet state and local regulations. Um, probably any of the projects that folks might have to um, conduct um, to fulfill the requirements of their lake and stream at alteration agreement would fall into the direct grant um, purview. Um, and then also grants for the purpose of employment skill training. So um, potentially 
um, under the direct grant program, you could apply for, say, and um, be funded for OSHA training if you have employees, right? So um, that is a $10,000 pool currently. Um, the other grants have different thresholds. So um, if we take a look quickly here um, at the permit and fee waiver grant, um, let's see if I can get it to load. My apologies. Um, that has a maximum threshold currently of $7,000. Um, and you can utilize that actually to pay for um, all sorts of permits and fees. So say you have um, building permits, administrative permits that you need to um, move forward. Um, you could apply for permit and fee waivers. Um, to assist with the cost of filing those administrative permits or egg exempt permits. Um, so that is another option. Um, and then there's the technical assistance component. Um, the technical assistance component, oops, apologies. I have really slow Wi-Fi today. I'm trying to flip through the pages. <laughs> um, the technical assistance component, I believe, is a $2,000 grant. Um, and so um, that program allows you to um, take some classes as offered through Elevate Impact Mendocino. Um, and so there's some technical assistance opportunities to help develop small businesses, um, which include business planning, um, grant and loan application preparation, human resource, resource management, um, capital procurement services, bookkeeping and accounting practices. Um, and then they're also offering um, a cannabis cooperative development program. Um, so combined, you can combine, you can apply for all of those is what I mean to say. Um, so combined, you could be eligible currently under the way the program is, is structured for up to um, $19,000 in assistance. Um, if you applied for each, the maximum amount in each of the grant categories. So um, I hope that that's helpful and answers the question. It's kind of a lot of information. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that is perfect. Thank you. Um, and I do have some more questions for you here. But before I ask them, I just wanted to let our listeners that we're going to know that we're going to open up our phone lines. So if you have a question about the Cannabis Equity Program or a question for Kristen Nevidal, you can go ahead and give us a call. We are here to take your calls and questions. And our number is 707-895-2448. That is 707-895-2448. All right. So it sounds like there's three different grants that um, our cultivators can apply for here. And I'm guessing that the sort of basic um, qualification that folks need is that they need to be a, uh, enrolled in the cannabis cultivation program and probably have at least a temporary embossed receipt. Is that correct? Um, well, it's, it's actually more expansive than that. So it's not just for cultivators. Um, you know, you might qualify as a retailer or a manufacturer. So it's really um, any individual who is um, an applicant or a permit holder for a cannabis activity within the unincorporated area of Mendocino County. So while we definitely have many more cultivators than any other type of 
um, permits um, throughout the supply chain. Um, it really, this program is designed for all um, equity, eligible equity applicants that, as I mentioned, are in unincorporated Mendocino, so you can't be in an incorporated jurisdiction. So unincorporated Mendocino and um, cultivators, manufacturers, retailers, processors, nursery operators, um, distributors, um, laboratories, um, they would, all aspects of the supply chain would be eligible. Um, so yeah, um, please do apply. Um, well, that is great to know. And it looks like we also have our first caller here. So we're going to go ahead and put that caller through. Hi, caller. You are live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? Hi, yes, I am. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thanks for calling in. Yeah, um, I just wanted to express some of my frustration about this process to apply. Um, I applied in February, and I still, to this day, do not know if I am one of the qualified applicants or not, and the person that I've been working with um, via email, I keep checking in, and they asked for um, additional income information, which I provided, and all of the documents that they needed um, to support my application, and now I've just been waiting, and I feel like it's kind of crazy that it's almost mid, or it's basically mid-June, and still no word if I have been approved and when the actual awarding of the grant money will happen. I know that there's like this website that needs to get worked out so that once people are approved then they can use that to then type in which grant they want to use the money for and stuff like that. But it just seems crazy that it's taking this many months um, to get that launched and then also just to notify people like, yes, you have been, um, you know, approved and we'll let you know as soon as we can about when you'll be awarded the physical, you know, voucher or whatever to use on the website. Like, I just feel like it's ridiculous, like, how much um, communication has been lacking in that way. And so I really wish that we could find out, like, yes, you have been approved or no, you have been denied. And if the county knows which applicants have been approved, it'd be great to find that out ourselves as well. So I just wanted to share that and um, and that I also really think that we need to relook at the low-income bracket as well. I think that that is a huge stopping block. Most people that are in this cannabis program are, you know, not necessarily um, going to be able to meet this requirement because... I mean, just to be in cannabis, it costs so much money um, to get legalized and to pay all the licensing and fees at the state and county level, and um, it's just really, really hard. And I'm a small cottage operator, and so my income threshold has been really small, and I've been able to um, meet that requirement, but so many cultivators that maybe are doing a 10,000 square foot and they were also impacted by the war on drugs and also, um, you know, went to jail and stuff like that. Like, we really don't want to see those people left to the wayside because of this technicality that I think needs to be amended. So I appreciate um, the county looking into trying to get that to be changed because that is the reason why not very many people have been able to come forward and apply for the grant. So thanks, Jen, for your show. Really appreciate it. And thank you, Kristen, of it all, for um, having this topic be presented to the community. Really appreciate that as well. Thank you. 
Thank you, caller, so much for that commentary. Um, Kristen, do you want to go ahead and respond to anything that that caller shared about her experience with the equity program application process? Yeah, I mean, I so we have um, largely outsourced that to um, some administrative support um, through the Elevate Impact um, group. Um, I will follow up on that to see when they're going to be notifying. Um, I am glad that it was brought up. I actually thought the notifications had started to go out. So um, we do have a check-in call this afternoon, so it's timely. And I will check in to see what the wait is on notifying folks. So I, I do appreciate that comment. It's good to have the update. Great. Thank you for that. And um, yeah, I just want to let everyone out there know that if they're listening and they have a question or comment, you can call in. The number is 707-895-2448. That is 707-895-2448. And while we're waiting to see if we have any other callers join us today, um, I wanted to kind of circle back and a little tie into what that previous caller just brought up. Um, how have there been any grant applicants so far that have actually received their grant funding money from the county? No, um, we have um, put together a two-step process. So folks have to um, apply to be eligible. And then once they receive the eligibility notification, they can come back and apply for the grants that they want. Um, I would like to say that um, I am on the grant website currently. So the elevateimpactmendo.com grant site is up and running. Um, for folks who have applied, it might benefit you to take a look at that website. Again, it's elevateimpactmendo.com. Um, and the reason why I say it might benefit you to look at that website is um, it does have the grant applications up. So you could go through, I think, and start shaping, um, if you wanted to, your budget. Um, each grant requires um, a budget and a narrative um, describing how the funds would be spent. So um, it might be helpful to just at least um, kind of wrap your brains around, so to speak, right, the, the requirements so you can start gathering materials together. Um, so, yeah, I had um, actually thought Elevate Impact was doing notifications currently. So, um, like I said, I will check in on that, but um, the grant website is up and functioning. So I'll give the email address one more time for folks or the website address. Um, it is elevateimpactmendo.com. So um, I would encourage folks to check there. And also, if you um, haven't applied for um, eligibility, you can do that on that same website, the electronic application for eligibility, as well as the grant programs themselves um, are all available at that website. Thank you for that um, great information to share. And we will share that website and that email address again at the end of the show. So I had another question for you. Um, and that question was, just theoretically speaking, if someone in the community met the eligibility requirements and they wanted to use, they wanted to get money from the equity program to try to apply 
um, in phase three to get a cannabis cultivation permit. Would that be something that someone would be able to do? Um, probably not this year. And um, part of the reason why if we're talking about um, 2218, um, I don't expect that we'll have um, um, opportunities for new applicants to apply until after January of 2022, sometime um, into 2022. Um, I do think if there's folks that are um, engaged in the 10A17 program and um, for some reason or another um, are in good standing and are needing to transfer into 22.18, then yes, if they're eligible, um, that would be one of the qualifying fee waivers that could be utilized um, through um, their equity grant program. Um, but I don't anticipate us taking on any new applications until after the first of the year as we're really focused on helping the folks that are in the current program get through our processing, our application processing, and get them permitted so we can help them get into annual licenses at the state. That is our priority um, within the cannabis program currently. Thank you for answering that question. Uh, it looks like we do have another caller. So we're going to go ahead and put them through and take their question or comment. Hi, caller. Are you here with us on the Cannabis Hour? I hope I am. Uh, I would like to make an inquiry as a medicine woman. How do we access and make available to people the med medicinal uh, tinctures or salves? Uh, how do we get involved with, with creating a business uh, mode of operandus for our local area? I, I know that it's, it's being done in other, in other towns and other regions, but I think it's really imperative. It's critically important that we maintain our local uh, our, biz, our small scale businesses. For the, when when you said the lady that called and said she was a cottage person, you know, I have three plants, six plants. I don't have large scale anything, and I would like to be able to figure out how to make available and not be um, denied because of the bureaucracy, the costs of the bureaucracy. If you're on fixed income, if you get a thousand a month, how are you going to come up with seven thousand dollars? You know, it's just, uh, I'd like to have some comments and I'll take my, my answer on the air. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Thank you, you know, so much for that. You want to go ahead, Kristen? Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jen, but yeah, I um, that is a hard one. And um, because of the way the state regulations are shaped in order to produce a salve or a tincture um, that you would be selling um, to a retailer or um, distributing to a retail, retailer for sales to um, consumers and or patients, um, it would require a manufacturing license. Um, definitely this, the current structure doesn't make that a very available opportunity for um, incredibly small producers um, and or product makers. So um, the local jurisdictions don't have the ability to establish regulatory programs that are more lenient or um, have um, more allowances than what the state has put into place. Um, the only thing we can do in adjusting a program is to narrow the scope of and make it more rigorous than what the state has put into place. So we are, um, as local jurisdictions, 
um, really kind of pegged in by what the state has um, established through statute um, and regulations. So that that really limits our ability to create programs that are um, more available to um, very small businesses or even um, cottage home industry. Um, currently, um, additionally challenging is that um, the state has um, prohibited the ability for products to be made in kind of a cottage, um, home cottage business setting. So um, you cannot make a, a product for the legal market within your home. You can't use your home kitchen. You can't um, have um, develop a kitchen was a manufacturing license where you have to pass through the residents, right, to get to that facility. So there are some um, fairly significant hangups at the state level that prohibit us from really establishing programs um, such as the one that the caller um, mentioned and inquired about being interested in. Um, hopefully um, down the road, we get to that spot. Um, and, but I do think it's going to take some time. And, you know, we, we are five years into legalization, but we didn't have regulations come forth until um, uh, 2018 and then permanent regulations until 2019. So, and then we're also um, seeing um, change to the licensing authorities this year. So um, the three licensing authorities, Cal Cannabis, the Manufacturing Safety Branch under um, California Department of Public Health, and the Bureau of Cannabis Control are all being folded into the Department of Cannabis Control. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity as that um, transition occurs. We will be seeing um, a set of emergency regulations that should mimic the regulations we currently have, but kind of fold them into one regulatory framework, so to speak. Um, and then we'll be seeing some permanent regulations um, in the 2022 year Um I, I do have some hope that we'll see some reduced barriers when we move into those permanent regulations under the new agency. Um, but what those look like, uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball at this time. Um, but the goal is to reduce barriers and try to make the legal marketplace, the supply chain more accessible. Um, so I, I think I can leave that there. I I wish I had more information or um, uh more pathways um, to suggest at this point, but I just, I, I don't, unfortunately. Well, thank you for very clearly explaining why those things aren't possible. That was very informative and clear. Um, and thank you for that. We do have another caller holding. So we're going to go ahead and put them through. Hi, caller. You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us on the air? Yes, I am. Thanks for taking my call. So my question is uh, for Kristen, what is your role in the cannabis accommodation rezoning districts? And I will take the, my answer uh, off the, on the air. Thank you. Yeah, um, so currently, I, you know, I don't play a very significant role in those rezoning districts. Um, we are responsible for processing the cultivation permits, um, planning and building services, um, has been processing the actual um, permits, right, that would establish an accommodation district. Um, and so, you know, I, right now we really are focused on the individual um, applicants within a zoning district or accommodation district and not necessarily the development of 
um, an accommodation district. That's still within PBS at this time. Thank you for answering that question. So it's about 9.50 here. We have a few more minutes left in our show today. And we do have time to take just one or two more callers. So I'm going to just give out our number one more time. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 707-895-2448. That number is 707-895-2448. Kristen, as you mentioned, we are still only five years into legalization, although honestly, it feels like it's been a small lifetime and things are changing rapidly and all the time. So I do want to remind our listeners that it's so important to stay informed and to stay involved and to do what we can to change the things that are within the ability to change at this time. And on that note, I just want to take a quick moment here to read an urgent call to action regarding state regulations from the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance and the Origin Council. So I'll just read that quickly while we see if we have any other callers, and then I will, um, oh, it looks like we actually have one. So I'm going to pause my reading of that call to action while we take this caller, and then I will circle back around to that afterwards. Hi, caller. Are you here with us? You are live on the Cannabis Hour. Hello. Yes. Good morning. Hi. My question is a phase one operator. I remember there was a mention of being able to have two permits in Mendocino County. Would that, would that in effect give you the ability to have a different location, or does that just mean for the one location you're at? Yeah, there, and that's a great question, and there are, um, under 10A17, um, Phase 1 applicants um, could have two permits on separate parcels, so you can qualify to own up to two permits independent, but they would have to be on separate parcels. Um, and so that's cultivation. I should really specify that. So those are two separate cultivation permits on, <clears throat> excuse me, different parcels. Um, however, the application period for cultivation under 10A17 is closed. So if you um, say have a cultivation application that we're processing or a permit um, on parcel A, there's not an application process available for you to um, apply for a second cultivation permit on a new parcel. So um, the last time we accepted applications under 1017 for cultivation was in 2019. So it's been a little while. Um, now, if you have a cultivation application and or a permit, um, you are still eligible if you qualify with setbacks and, you know, there's some other restrictions, um, parcel size um, and, and some other pieces, you could still potentially apply to add a nursery um, as an add-on to an existing cultivation site. As, as I mentioned, if your parcel qualifies, you can meet the setbacks and the other requirements. So um, that's currently what's available to phase one cultivators under 10A17. Okay, so then maybe would it be possible to, um, will there be a, will it be possible to apply for a permit on a five-acre ag um, with this uh, phase three, if you're an existing operator and want to expand? I'm at 2,500 square foot on a RR5, 
next to a five, and I'm hoping to acquire it and then expand to where at least could go five k. Yeah, so um, RR5 is not a parcel size that's included in the zoning table under 2218, but egg parcels of five acres and greater are included in the zoning table under 2218. So um, I would encourage you to check out the ordinance, which should be posted currently. Um, and you can also look back at the June 22nd meeting and pull the ordinance and the zoning table off of that agenda item um, to have access to it. But um, in applying under 2218 on an egg five parcel or an egg parcel of five acres, my apologies, um, you would need to wait for that application process or period to open. And then you'd have to meet all of the um, requirements set forth in 2218 to cultivate on that egg parcel. And I don't have those in front of me, I apologize. I was um, equity focused coming into this meeting, um, but um, agricultural parcels of five acres and larger do qualify for cultivation under 2218. Thank you, Kristen, for answering those questions. Um, we have just about three minutes left here, so I'm not gonna read this whole call to action from the Origins Council and MCA. But I am just going to let our listeners know, please go check it out at MendoCannabis.com. That's MendoCannabis.com. It regards a trailer bill um, and CDFW um, and LSA standards being raised, which would impact over 500 licensees and put them at risk of licensing interruption, <clears throat> excuse me, or even permanent loss of license. So there's a lot of... Um, notification and commentary you can do on your own to the Board of Supervisors and state senators and assembly members and legislative director, um, Paul Ramey. So you can check that out at mendocannabis.com. And Kristen, I just want to give you a chance to share any last thoughts on the equity program. And if you wouldn't mind sharing the web address and any relevant email addresses again with our listeners, that would be great. And then we will be wrapping up today. Sure. So um, really, I want folks to be aware that you can apply for eligibility. Um, and once you're approved as an eligible equity applicant, you can apply for your grants by visiting ElevateImpactMendo.com. Um, that's really um, a robust website with all of the information about the different grant programs we're offering and the eligibility criteria as well as the eligibility application. Um, again, please do visit ElevateImpactMendo.com um, for um, information about the equity grant program. Um, you can also email um, your questions to um, equity program at mendocinocounty.org. Again, that's equity program at mendocinocounty.org. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been another episode of the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. That was Mendocino County Cannabis Program Manager, Kristen Nevidal. Today, we've been discussing the Cannabis Equity Grant Program for Mendocino County. So thanks so much for tuning in. Um, thanks to all of our listeners who called in and shared questions or comments. If you need any more information on anything we discussed today, you can always reach me at kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. That is kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. 
if you need me to forward you a website or a link or an email address we discussed on the show today, I'm always happy to do so. And other than that, I will be back two weeks from today on July 8th for another episode of the Cannabis Hour um, with you. So thanks again, Kristen Nevidal, for joining me today. I hope everyone who is able to takes advantage of the equity grant program. It's a great opportunity. So stay tuned. Up next, we have Portraits and Jazz. And thanks for listening. Have a beautiful day. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.